Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Those of you who have joined us in the house, those of you who have joined us online, we're glad that you're here today. We are one big, happy family, and we're glad that you're a part of it today. I want to take a little bit of time today to tell you a little bit about God. Boy, that's shocking, isn't it, that we would talk about that at church? But here's the thing. A lot of people are in search of God. What's he like, and where is he, and how can I find him? And God wants us to find him. He wants us to know him. And he went to great lengths so that we could and so that we would. God wants us to know him. One of the best ways we know is through his son, Jesus. The Bible refers to Jesus as the visible image of our invisible God. We learned a lot about what God is like because Jesus is God, one with God, and what we saw in him and experienced from him and got from him are the things that God wants us to know about him. A couple weeks ago, on a Wednesday night, I preached about the goodness of God. God has, as a part of his character, an intrinsic goodness, not because of what he does, but because of who and what he is. God is good. In fact, theologically, we, we refer to that, that as his being omnibenevolent, supremely good. Nothing he does can be anything but good, and everything that he does results in good because God is good. It's woven into his fiber, if you will. And so we talked about that in, in, in that service because it's an important, important concept for us to grasp because, because he is good and wants only good for us, that's how that whole promise that God is at work, working all things together for our good because God is good and wants good for us. That's a really great place to start. By the way, if you didn't get a chance to hear that sermon, you don't need to go home and watch sports this afternoon. Just get on YouTube and look it up, and I'm sure you'll just be glad that you did that instead of watching the game. Two of you will. But God is not sometimes good. God is always good. He is wholly and infinitely good. It's a part of his character. His goodness doesn't come from what he does. It comes from who he is. And all of God's goodness in our lives is an outpouring of his character of goodness to us, his compassion for us. And we want to talk a little bit about compassion today because God is compassionate by his very nature. We may not always think about it. We may not always know that we're experiencing it. But God is not only good, but God is compassionate. It is one of the core attributes of God. How do you know that, Steve? Well, I'm glad that you asked that question because one of the early times that God spoke and revealed himself was when, uh, when he was talking to uh, Moses. And in Exodus 34, we find the first description of God's attributes from his own mouth recorded for us in scripture, Exodus 34. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, I am that I am. The first thing God wanted him to know was who he was. Yahweh, which means I am that I am. Jehovah, which means I am that I am. How many of you know God's name is not God? It's not God. It's, it's Yahweh. It's Jehovah. And so Moses wanted to see him. Moses wanted to experience him. And God said, I will, I, I'll tell you what, I will walk before you and let my goodness be revealed to you. 
the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out Yahweh, I am that I am the Lord. And then he says, the God of compassion and mercy. That was the first thing that he said about himself. I am a God of compassion and mercy. And then he defines what that mercy and compassion result in for us. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing, everlasting, nothing can punch a hole in it, love and faithfulness. Those things are driven by God's compassionate nature. Verse seven, I, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. Here are some more things that come from his compassion. I forgive iniquity and rebellion and sin. And here we learn that all of God's actions toward us are an expression of his character. He does them because he can't do otherwise. And we are the joyful recipients of God's love and his compassion. The original word compassion for compassion helps us to understand what that really is. In the Latin, compati, it really means to suffer with, to suffer alongside of. I identify with you even in your sufferings and I have compassion on you because I'm a part of your suffering with you. Compassion means that someone else's heartbreak becomes your heartbreak. That's compassion. Empathy is close to that. It's kind of a similar kind of a word where you can put yourself in other people's shoes. But compassion is where we are prompted and motivated to love and give compassion to people as a result of that, as a result of their suffering. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. Anybody in the room who has never suffered? We all suffer, right? That's where God's compassion comes in. When you're suffering, whatever you're going through, God's compassion is there for you to provide for you, to encourage you, to help you. And we'll talk about that a little bit more because we believe in a God of mercy and compassion who is tolerant of our weaknesses and forgiving of all of our offenses. Psalmist wrote in Psalm 86, but you, O Lord, are compassionate, a compassionate and gracious or grace-giving God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Psalm 86, 15, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. So we find in scripture that it is the compassion of God that drives his mercy, his willingness to forgive us. Jonathan Edwards was a firebrand preacher a long time ago, and he wrote a, a very famous sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And it was one of these things where, you know, as you listen to him, you could just envision God tying a little string around you and holding you over the fire because he's so angry and you're sinning. Jonathan Edwards led a lot of people to the Lord with that sermon, but can I tell you something? God is compassionate. He does not want anyone to perish. People here in this room who need to hear this today, God does not want to punish you. He has compassion for you, and he want, doesn't want you to suffer. These verses that we just read make clear that God is a God of compassion. And, and uh, Isaiah in the Old Testament clearly saw and spoke on behalf of God about the compassion that God has for us. Isaiah 49.10 they, speaking of God's people, they will neither hunger nor thirst, 
nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He, meaning God, who has compassion on them, will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. Water always represents life and healing and restoration. He's a God who, because of his, his compassion, in spite of the fact that the people of Israel were far from him, rebelling against him all of the time, had compassion on them and desired to minister to them. Isaiah 49, 13, shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Are you starting to catch a little bit of a, of a pattern here? Isaiah 54, 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you, God says, will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. He's a God of compassion. That's the compassion of God that flows toward us and that is available to everyone who by faith will receive Jesus and make him Lord of their lives. If you haven't done that yet, what a great time to do that. The Bible says in Romans, in Romans 10, if you believe that Jesus is God's son and that God raised him from the dead, and if you'll declare with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, you will be saved. And God's compassion enables it, and God's compassion comes in and begins to change your life. You can do that right now, wherever you are, even if you're not in this room. And I want to encourage you to do that because the compassion of God is waiting for each and every one of us. In fact, in Exodus 33:19, it says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. So therefore, because he longs, he will rise up and show you compassion. That's the compassion that has, God has toward us, but we also wanna shift gears a little bit today, and we need to talk about how the compassion of God flows through us and out of us to those who believe. God's nature is to be compassionate. He can't be anything but good, can't be anything but holy, can't be anything but compassionate, and a lot of other things, all-knowing, all-present, all those things that we know of God. And he says, you need to be conformed, transformed into his image. Well, I don't know about you, because I'm created in God's image, I have some compassion in me, but I don't have anything like he has. And the good news is, God wants to help each of us to have that, to become more and more like him, including being channels of his compassion to this world and increasing in compassion so that we can minister to people with his help. Today we find hope in the compassion of God and as image bearers of the God of compassion, we are both receivers and transmitters of that passion to people all around us. Ephesians 4.32 reminds us that we are to be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. He did all of those things because of his compassion. So how do we do that? How do we develop more compassion and reflect more of God's compassion through our life? Well, number one, we learn it. We acquire compassion, put on your seatbelt. We acquire compassion through suffering. How many would like to go right now? We do. That's one of the ways that we begin to feel other people's pain is we feel, we understand because we have felt that pain. And as much as I don't want to suffer, I'm here to tell you today, the things that you have suffered, I have suffered, are in part 
things God wanted to use to accomplish in our life the compassion that he wants us to have. Compassion comes as we are more and more transformed into the image of Christ and as we suffer as Christ did. As we suffer for him, we develop his compassion for other people. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. One of the wonderful ways that God working all things together for good takes, takes place in our lives is, I go through a hard time, I suffer, I struggle, God comforts me, he brings comfort to my life and, and gets me through it. And as a result of my having gone through it, guess what I now have? Something I didn't have before. I have the ability now to share the comfort that I received with other people who need it and thereby have the opportunity to be God's hand and voice and arms extended to them. Friends, that's a part of the interactive nature of what God wants to do in each and every one of us. It's one way that we learn compassion and it's through suffering that does good things in us. Number two, we develop we gain compassion through suffering, we then develop that, we work it, we increase it, we develop it by humbling ourselves and putting other people before us and by putting other pe ourselves in other people's shoes, thinking less about us and more about them, which when you think of it is what Jesus did. Bible says he thought nothing of leaving all that he had in heaven and coming here and becoming like us so that he could minister to us and save us. Philippians 2.1, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be self-centered. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. C.S. Lewis said it this way, true humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. That's one of the ways that we develop that compassion inside of us. We see the need, we see the suffering in other people, and we put our needs and our desires and our agenda aside, and we enter into their pain because that's what Jesus did for us and continues to do. Number four, we perfect compassion as we are transformed into the likeness of Christ and see other people as he does. I've told this story before, it bears repeating. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my, my dad was a new believer and uh, one of the people in our church asked him to go and, and witness to Eddie. Fred was, the, Fred was the guy from our church. Fred had a, a nephew, Eddie, and he asked my dad, would you please go and see what you can do about leading Eddie to the Lord? So my dad took up the challenge, and he went, and he spent time with Eddie. And the next day, when Fred asked him how everything went, my dad, you'd have had to know my dad, my dad said, I don't know, he's kind of a creep. He was a teenager. And I don't think my dad meant to be offensive, or maybe he did, I don't know. But Fred looked at him and said, 
said, but Paul, Jesus loves him. My dad told me that story when I was a young adult. And I don't know if it does for you what it did for me in that moment, but I was forever changed because I realized that what Fred was doing was trying to instill compassion for the lost who don't always look really good, don't always smell really good, don't always act really well, but Jesus has compassion on them and wants them to be saved. And we perfect compassion as we are transformed into that likeness of Jesus, who cares? The, the compassion we need to develop is a compassion for the lost, no matter how repugnant their sin. We, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're getting ready to finish out a semester of, of small groups here at the church. And from time to time, we will put in groups that are more uh, recovery-based or support-based. And so we've had divorce care and grief share, and we, we have groups like that from time to time. Have them going on now, as a matter of fact. But one of the new groups that we tried to start, and it was born out of a woman's experience with it and her desire to help and comfort others from hers, was a group for people, for women, who've been through abortion. Believers who still carry around the guilt and the agony of what they did. And by the way, statistics tell us there are many in this room who fit that bill. We don't speak without compassion to those folks because Jesus has compassion on those, and this is a group that is supposed to be for women who are struggling and suffering because its purpose is to share the compassion of Christ and the joy of forgiven sin and the newness of life that comes from Jesus. That's what compassion does when we reflect and enter into the suffering of others in order to bring the compassion of Christ. So we perfect compassion as we become more and more in the image of Christ and see people like he does. We don't turn up our noses at them. We don't look down our noses at them. We don't condemn them. We love them. We're all broken. We're all sinners. And Christ came to die for us and to set us free from guilt and from shame. Part of that is because God is compassionate. So we are givers of compassion to others because we have experienced pain and failure. And by the way, the lady who, uh, who is, is going to be leading that group has walked through it herself. She's found the healing. She's found the forgiveness. And so it, it, we, we experience pain and failure and suffering and defeat. And we can put ourselves in other people's shoes just like Jesus and share the love and forgiveness that Jesus came to bring. Compassion goes beyond empathy and sympathy. Sympathy looks in and says, I'm sorry. Compassion goes in and says, I'm with you. Sympathy looks in and says, I'd like to help. Compassion goes in and says, I'm here to help. Sympathy says, I wish I could carry your burden. Compassion says, cast your burden on me. That's the difference that compassion makes. It engages us in the world of broken and hurting people so that we can share the compassion of Jesus with them. Exodus 33:19 tells us the Lord longs to be gracious to you. So therefore, because he longs, he will show you compassion. Some of you in this room today, I want to declare to you today that God forgives and God restores and God renews and he is not mad at you. And he is not waiting to find some way to punish you and to hurt you. God is full of compassion and love, and he wants to help you 
today if you will open to that in your life. And by the way, he wants to help people to experience that through those of us who have walked through some of those things as well. Psalm 145.8, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone, showers compassion on all his creation. Do you need to know that today? I do. I need to know that God has compassion for me. The struggles that I go through, the suffering that I go through, God stands there and says, Steve, we can go through this together. I'll forgive you. I will help you. I will stand with you. And finally, number five, compassion should therefore lead to ministry. We experience the compassion of God. It flows into us. And then the compassion of God flows out of us, not just in accepting people, not just trying to help people, but in ministering to people. Matthew 4.14, Jesus started it. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped back from the boat, and he had compassion on them and went away. Jesus saw them and had compassion on them and said, call me in the morning and we'll see if we can figure out a time when I can help you. He saw them and he healed them. He stopped what he was doing. They became the focus of his attention. They became the recipients of the compassion and the blessing of God as Jesus, who was compassionate, used the opportunity to minister to them and to minister healing to them. Our spirituality has to be one of compassion and mercy that causes us to focus on the needs of other people and then do something about it and allow the Lord to do it through us. Matthew 20, 30, two blind men were sitting on the side of the road and when they heard that Jesus was coming their way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And here's a compassionate crowd who yells, be quiet. A lot of compassion there. But they shouted only the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And when Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called, what do you want me to do for you? Compassion causes us not just to think nice thoughts toward people, but to do those things that bless and help and heal them. And finally, 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted. Another translation says compassionate. And keep a humble attitude to be really like Jesus. Compassion needs to be our first response. And compassion ought to lead us into becoming the hands and feet and voice and provision and healer of God in, in someone's life. So today, two things about compassion for each of us. Compassion is an intrinsic character of God. He is compassionate not because of what he does, but because of who he is. And that motivates him to be gracious to us and to forgive us and to enter into our lives. He feels these things for us and it motivated him to do something. For Jesus to leave his heavenly home and come here and suffer and be tortured and die, he did something for us so that we might live. That's what compassion does. So we want to be vessels of conduits of God's compassion to people who need it. Let me ask you something. 
Can you think right now of people for whom you need to have a little bit more compassion? In a few moments, we'll pray and we'll ask God to help us with that because God's willing and wants us to do that. But let me ask you another question. Have you experienced the compassion of God? Some of you have grown up and your church or your mother or somebody has told you, oh, God's going to get you for that. Oh, God's going to punish you for that. Anybody but me? And I love my mama, but she used to say things like that to me. My mother was wrong because God's not waiting to punish me. Well, there will be things that will happen because of my sin. They'll be my own doing. But God is compassionate. And he stands before us today in his son Jesus and says, I came to be compassionate to you to heal you, to deliver you, to forgive you, to save you. And if you have not availed yourself of that by faith just yet, this is your day. This is your moment. So will you bow your heads with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you a long time ago. When I was six years old, I knew I needed a savior. And you changed my life and you came in and forgave me changed my life there are people in this room who are 60 years old or 96 years old who have yet to bow to you and the Lordship of, of Jesus and today is their day and right now because of your Holy Spirit they know that this is the moment they know that they need to surrender to you so I thank you that for them it is as simple as acknowledging that you are Lord believing in their heart that you're Lord, that you died and was resurrected and confess out loud to this world, to themselves, to you. They want you to be Lord, that you are Lord of their lives. Lord, as they do that today, I thank you that their lives change, that the compassion of God immediately begins to flow in their life to forgive and to heal and to transform and to change and to make new. God, what a great gift that is. And it's because of your compassion for us. Lord, may that happen all over this room today, we pray. Lord, there are others of us in this place. We have a little bit of compassion because we're created in your image and you're compassionate, so we've got a little bit of it. But we, see, we need, oh, so much more of it because we're damaged, we're broken in this sinful world. And we know that even though it might require some difficult things in our lives to attain it, that is a part of the good that you will work in our lives if we will ask for it, if we will open to it, if we will begin to exercise it. So wherever we are in our walk with you and in our need for more compassion to be shown in our lives, we give you place in our lives today, God, to do whatever you need to do. We ask you to do it and we open to it and we thank you that even though it might be painful, it will result in great good, not only in our lives, but in the lives of people that we minister to. So would you have your way? Would you have your will in this place? God, touch us and change us and make us like you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I told the first crowd when uh, Shelly and I were newlyweds, Shelly had been dating a guy before, I, before we started dating. And uh, I broke, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I broke the guy's dating code. I dated a girl who was dating someone else, but in my defense, I didn't know she was. But I got the girl. 
And I remember sitting out on our sofa in the living room one time and feeling kind of good about everything because I got the girl. And I asked Shelly in kind of a prideful, I guess, you know, hubris sort of way. So Shelly, what did Gary have? That was his name. What did Gary have that I don't have? And Shelly said, without a moment's hesitation, compassion. Gentlemen, don't ask questions you may not want to hear the answer to. And I decided in that moment, because I knew she probably wasn't lying, that I was going to pray for, I was going to pray that God would give me more compassion. And God did, through a lot of suffering that I needed to go through. Can you imagine, as a pastor, dealing with the brokenness of people and the needs of people, if I didn't have compassion? And God knew. God wanted me to be like him so I could minister that compassion to other people. And all I had to do was open to it and allow him to do the work, even though it was sometimes painful, so that one day I could joyfully stand and say, I don't have all the compassion that I need, but I got more than I had because I opened to God's desire for me to be compassionate. So don't be afraid to ask him to do that as you go about your week this week. God is good and he's working all things together for your good and the good of other people through you. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.